know what it is <laughs> we out here studio e episode six we made it he's d jones i'm the ghost and we got antoine behind the scenes it's a cool thing let's go all right on this week's episode we have our first ever facetime interview with js lapierre and then we're going to get into the rundown where we're going to talk a little nhl expansion some nba free agency and then you know everybody's favorite fantasy football 101 is running back week so let's get the show on the road. All right, they already know what it is. <laughs> My main man from Montreal. We got JS Lapierre in the building. What's cracking, B? What's up, G? Just chilling at my parents' place. Stressing heavy on that farm life? Got some chores or what? Nah, not really. It's actually the place where I go to pretty much just relax and do nothing. So I'm pretty stoked to be here. And you don't have to clean up any cow shit or nothing? Um, no, I used to help them before, but um, I think my mom understands that I don't really like to, to do that anymore. And I think it's kind of cruel. So I don't really go in there anymore. <laughs> All right. So the first question we ask everyone is... Uh, your favorite skate moment and your favorite sport moment? I was trying to think about that. I think my favorite skate moment would be when Bob Bernquist did a fakey 5-0 fakey flip at, at the X Games. Do you guys remember that? Oh, that was an early one. I remember that. On the, like, vert to gap to rail, gap back in. Yeah, pretty lame how it's a contest thing, but I don't know. That's the first thing that I've came up with. <laughs> I don't know. What's your favorite skate moment? Mine? Yeah. Safest interviews coming up in a, a couple more episodes. We'll learn Safas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a secret, yo. Fuck. I mean, other than landing, uh... don't go there. <laughs> okay. All right. Do you have a, a favorite sport moment? I was trying to think about that too, and the first thing that came up was uh, when the Nordic and the Canadians had a massive brawl, and the whole game was just like. A fight. Do you guys ever seen that? That's a bunch of years ago. The Nordiques have been out for a while. So you must have been pretty young when that happened, eh? Yeah, it was a while ago, but it's just crazy how, like, there used to be, like, a huge fucking... Rivalry. Yeah, between those two. And then the whole game was just, like, fight. And I guess in the Quebec culture, it's, like, a, a huge fucking game. So I think that's my favorite moment. That's sick. Damn, I didn't peg you for... Uh... A violent youth, yo. <laughs> I thought meat is murder. You ain't about that violence. Well, shit. I don't. I don't. Know. I don't really care about any sports. Uh, I don't think. Of, I don't even know like any like epic moment in sports history. I feel you skate rat through and through. Oh, for sure. So tell the people, how does a kid growing up on a farm end up pursuing a career in skateboarding? I don't know. I think I've always loved skating so much that. It's always been, like, my main focus in life. And, I mean, I left my parents' place pretty young. I left when I was done high school, and then I just moved to Montreal. And I think that was, like, a big moment in my life to just, like, I don't know, try to make it, I guess. But 
it's been pretty epic so far and I'm stoked to like be able to come back out here and just relax because the farm life is definitely uh, relaxing so it's pretty epic. Jess, what was it like being a red fucking dragon? <laughs> Did you eat the heart of a shark? <laughs> um, it was pretty cool. I mean, I'm really, I feel like I'm really privileged to be able to get paid for skateboarding. And Danny Marshall definitely gave me a sick opportunity to skate for Zero Fallen and RDS and get paid through them. So. That was cool. Everyone on the team was super chill, but I definitely got laughed on for uh, being a dragon. But whatever, it was it was a fun fun time when I was a part of the team. Are you worried about the dragon curse? I don't know. I don't really care for it that much. I think that I don't know. Maybe you have some sort of uh, curse, but I don't know. I'll try uh, my best to not look like a Canadian kook. <laughs> Good luck out there, bud. So from Red Dragons, now you got a new sponsor. You're on Ruka. How'd that work out? Josh Clark pretty much hooked it all up for me. He's the one that pretty much just told me that I could have this uh, opportunity to ride for Ruka. And I think it was it was a good time for me too to make the switch because they were like filming for the RDS video and I didn't really have anything filmed HD. And um, I don't know. I'm kind of stoked to be on Ruka now. It's a little bit more a fit for me that works yeah i'm looking forward to go out in california and skate with the ruka dudes By now, most people that know you probably know you're sober. You've been sober for a hot minute. Has there been any downside? What's it like picking up chicks sober? We know how you love your ladies. <laughs> well, actually, it's been... I feel like it's been a lot better because my um, get laid filter is uh, a lot more proper. Because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know... There's no more of those twos and threes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've... Um, I mean, you've party together pretty often so you know that my uh, filter has been pretty low and uh, I was intoxicated <laughs> so I think that's uh, that's definitely helped out and I feel like it's a lot easier for me to like be myself I guess because I've always been someone that's pretty shy and I've always used booze as like a crutch for like talking to chicks and stuff but I think now I'm, I'm a lot more confident and it's easier to get chicks, I feel like, when I'm sober. Damn, man. I feel like everyone in the room here drinks. You're inspiring us to go sober and 
be ourselves with the ladies. <laughs> well, fuck, I don't know. I mean, like I said, the filter is, has gone up a lot more. So just that in itself is a plus because you can wake up from a pretty gnarly night and feel pretty regretful after hooking up with a dragon. So, <laughs> <laughs> so just that. Just that in itself is pretty good. Nothing but them dimes these days, eh? Well, not necessarily dimes, but just a lot better, I guess. <laughs> I went from a two, two, three zone to the five, six. <laughs> Respect. Yeah. Five, I'll still do a five, six. Speaking of uh, picking up chicks sober, I hear a lot about the Dest brothers. Uh, who are they? And you got any good stories about them? <laughs> Um, I think the Des Brothers started that one night where um, me, Seifa, and Antoine Aslan, I think it was just like one summer that you stayed at my place, Seifa, right? Yeah, a couple years back there at, at yours and Josh's place. Yeah, we went out one night and we were at this sh- shitty bar, like pretty far from like where like everything's happening and it was getting pretty late and um, it was, I don't know, by that time it was like probably like 2.30 and um we were just so desperate to like hook up with chicks and the bar that we were at already was just <laughs> it was just filled with like older dudes and i don't know we we're just fucking desperate and then it fucking started pouring rain but we were just so down for it we just we ran from that bar to trash bar which is like i don't know like a 20 minute like probably like a 20 minute walk but we just really wanted to get there, so we ran in the pouring rain to Trash Bar. <laughs> and the funny thing is, we got there, and there's fucking no one. There was just, like, one chick that was bartending, and none of us even, like, talked to her. We were just, I don't know, we were just blowing it. <laughs> so desp. So that's when that's when the Desp Brothers has started. So it's me, Seifa, and Antoine in our drunken behavior. <laughs> Just desperate to get the shitty chicks. 20-minute run in this pouring rain to fucking get the empty trash bar and not talk to the one girl there. Classic Dust Brothers. So you used to ride for Deathwish Skateboards, Super Shoes, and Crew Apparel. And you went on that Cross Canada tour with uh, Shake Junt and Crew, and everything seemed to be going all good. You killed it on that trip. And then randomly, next thing you know, you're on Zero, RDS, and Fallen. Uh, what was going on behind the scenes there? So basically what happened is that um, I went on a bunch of trip with um, all these dudes. I actually did that trip in Canada and then after that I did a um, East Coast like across the states for like a whole month with all of them and um, I was a lot younger so I feel like the way I was behaving was uh, a lot different than what I would do now because I don't know I was a lot younger and I was fucking kind of stupid I would get super drunk and do stupid shit and then didn't really like talk to anyone that much I was just like just so focused on trying to like skate super hard and I think I was like 17 or 18 at that time and I don't know I was just like 
kind of a lot more French. Like my English was kind of shitty a little bit. And uh, I don't know, just overall, like just trying to skate super hard and not really talking to anyone. So I feel like a lot of the other dudes were kind of just like, who the fuck is this kid like trying so hard? And then I remember like I went on that trip and then a few weeks after Ellington called me and uh, I didn't get his, his call and I was like super juiced like the whole the whole day I was like fuck yeah like maybe it's some good news like they're actually gonna put me on the team or something and then I remember um, he called me back up that night he pretty much just told me that he wanted me to be M but some of the dudes some of the dudes on the team weren't really feeling me so he thought it was best for for me to look for something else and I remember at the time it was like it was fucking heartbreaking for me because I was a lot younger and that was like a dream for me to be hooked up with Deathwish and it kind of shattered me but I guess after that I rode for I was trying out like different boards and just I don't know just trying to look for something else and Danny Marshall um, at center hooked me up with um zero and fallen in RDS which I was down so it ended up working out it would have been nice to write for them but I think that I was definitely a lot more kooky and that was like a good slap in the face for me to realize that it's not all about skating it's it's who you are as a person and you gotta vibe well with with a team I don't know I feel like I've I've grown a lot from that situation because it definitely made me work on myself because I don't know it was fucking heart shattering for me but I don't know it's it's all good now I'm, I'm stoked in the position that I'm at so yeah that's the, that's the whole story that's awesome man thanks for taking us behind the curtain on that one the people can finally sleep easy <laughs> all right so while we're on the topic of sponsors now that uh fallen's turned to dust what are you gonna do for footwear yeah that happened when I was um out in California Jamie um hit me up and told me that Fallen uh, went out of business. Um, I mean, I wasn't getting paid for them from them, so it wasn't like a too bad of a, a situation. So I can, I guess I can look for something else that might eventually uh, be good. But um, I don't know, I've just been trying out shoes and I don't really know what I'm going to do yet. It kind of sucks that nowadays, nowadays there's just pretty much fucking only sports brand and like a handful of actual skate shoe sponsors so it's kind of hard to try and find a good shoe sponsor that you actually want to write for yeah trust me we don't want you on nike eh? you and your fucking beard still <laughs> i mean it, it's crazy to like go to like any contest like any am contest and fucking 90 percent of the people out there are going to be wearing nikes it's kind of it's kind of crazy how it got to that point that fucking everyone is wearing Nikes and all the kids are fucking buying all that shit. And it's crazy. Like, the fact that their snow program, they, like, had the same shit going on and then they, like, stopped doing it. Like, what's going to keep them from doing the same shit for skateboarding and just, like, I don't know, buy out the whole fucking whole market and make every other actual skate shoe company suffer? It's pretty ridiculous. Yo, no Nike bashing on 50% my podcast, you get me. Yo, my team manager just told me he listens to the pod, so shout out Craig. Hell yeah, dog. Dear God. Love those new costumes, you get me. <laughs> wow. 
so the new dime video came out about a month ago and uh you're one of the guys who i always in my head when i think about dime i think about js unfortunately you weren't in the new video what happened there with you and and the dime foreskin project <laughs> well nothing nothing crazy happened i guess i was just um i've just been focusing on filming for other other projects i've been trying to film a, a zero part for a while so i was just trying to focus on that and i haven't really been in montreal all that much for the past year but um the video was so fucking good like i remember watching it for the first time it, it was kind of like shitty for me to like watch a damn video and not having any tricks in it because i know some people want to like see stuff of me i guess in there so it was a little hard but i mean it just happened because i was filming for other projects i feel you i was at the video premiere i definitely shed a tear when the credits came up no js <laughs> just kidding i was blackout don't remember a thing <laughs> how was that party it was insane bob got all of montreal drunk on margaritas in peace park and then we walked over to the premiere and I'm pretty sure 80% of the people there don't remember the video from that night. The Thrasher came through and blessed the people. Yeah, I remember seeing Snapchats of people at Peace Park just drinking margaritas. It looked pretty sick. I was bummed not to be there. Yeah, get yourself a virgin margarita real quick. Yeah, that would have been real nice. So a couple years ago, you went skydiving with your mom. Just out of curiosity, what was the rush like from skydiving in comparison to doing really scary tricks on your board? Dude, that was fucking nuts. And I, it, it was pretty much my mom that like wanted to do it real bad. So I think she was really badass for that. It like wasn't. It didn't click in my mind up until like we were on the plane and like we're just going higher and higher and like you look outside and you realize that you got to jump off the plane. And the funny thing is that when we got like to the point where we actually have to jump off, my mom went first. So I saw my mom fucking jump off a plane <laughs> right in front of me. So that was, pretty, that was pretty crazy. And then to like be in the window with like the dude on your back, like, and he's like, all right, you're like, you got to jump. And like, you got to actually yourself commit to like, jumping off the plane looking down at fucking like just the gnarliest drop ever is like probably one of the scariest things I've that's probably like hands down the gnarliest things I've ever done in my life but like once you do it like I can I, I understand why people like just start falling in love with that sport because it's like it's the gnarliest adrenaline shot ever and like once you're on the ground you're like so juiced on life I remember like For 30 minutes, me and my mom were so juiced on skydiving. We're like, fuck, we gotta like do it again. But I never did. But I mean, if I had like, if I had a shitload of money, I'd definitely like get courses to like do it by myself and fucking do it often because it was so sick. Jesus. Did that rush feel better than like, let's say, fucking doing a huge like kick crooks on a rail or something? It's like so different. Like, obviously, a kick crook on a huge rail is super rewarding, but it's like, I don't know, man, like, that shit is, like, out of this world, like, scenario, like, there's nothing that, like, gives you that rush, you know, like, 
I don't know, it's definitely something that I would recommend to anyone because it's so fucking epic. went to south africa last year for a contest how was that for a life experience dude that was fucking crazy just going to south africa in the first place was was a trip because i was not expecting to first of all win i'm getting paid and then to win it and be able to go to south africa was crazy i mean i never thought that i would ever go out there and it was just a crazy like scenery to like witness the first day we went out and skated with some less fortunate kids. And I think that was like one of the most eye-opening thing that I've ever seen because these kids just were so hyped on life and like had nothing. They were just like pretty much plain in mud. And the fact that skaters came in their town and just us skating with them made them like super happy. And I don't know, I feel like we, in our society, we are always concerned about things that don't fucking matter at all and i don't know just to see those kids being happy was like definitely a eye-opening experience so just that was sick as fuck and then the contest itself i was definitely not expecting to skate that well and be on the podium so that was super sick i remember like the actual the night that i did get third like my phone was like blowing up and I was getting so many notifications from like social media and it, I don't know, it just felt like a dream to be able to be on the podium out there. Uh, up there on the podium, third place behind Luan in second and Nyjah in first. That's pretty fucked. I was definitely watching you live stream cheering for your ass, but you ran out of gas and Luan just had to bless you with one too many <laughs> kick noses. Fuck's sakes. Yeah, well, fuck. Luan is so crazy. Like I knew he was fucked up good, but to see him skate live and... He literally never misses any trick. He just goes full speed and just... It's fucking mind-blowing to see him skate. It was sick. Better luck this year. Are you going to go back this year? You got second and I'm getting paid. You know, I tried to rig the contest for you to win again, but you had to fall on that switch tray lip, you bastard. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess Josh Clark from Empire told me that he talked to the guy that does run the contest and... They said that they wanted me to go to go back this year, so that'd be really fucking cool if it happens. So you go back and forth between California and Montreal a little bit. What are the biggest differences in like skating and living in uh, both cities? I feel like being from Montreal is definitely a hard thing to to leave, especially in the summertime because it's so so fun out in the city. And I don't know, I feel like it's um, there's always stuff to do and everyone's super chill. And the world outside of skateboarding as well is so fucking sick. Like Montreal is such a cultural city and it's 
super fun in the summertime. At, in wintertime, it's like the worst fucking shit ever. I hate it. But Montreal in the summertime is the greatest. So I'm stoked to be out here for a little bit. But um, Oceanside is super cool too. It's it's definitely not home as much as Montreal, but I have a lot of friends out there and there's epic skate spots and epic skate parks. So it's it's fun for that. But um, I feel like it's not as cool as Montreal for sure. So it's not, it's pretty hard to leave Montreal, but it's fun overall. You'd rather live in Montreal though, if you could have the same success skating? That wouldn't even be a question. I would for sure stay in Montreal because it's so much funner but i guess for a skateboarding career you need to go out in california well it depends the sponsors that you write for but mine um are all based in california and all have writers that are based in california so i definitely feel a little pressure for me to go out there which is fine because i mean it's, it's still like a fucking dream destination to go out there so i can't complain but i would definitely be more stoked to skating montreal for sure it's harder to get desk down there too i'm guessing eh with chicks yeah um dude it's crazy how the chicks out in montreal are so much cooler and so much like i don't know just so much more friendly i feel like because nothing against american chicks but i don't know it's a lot harder to get laid out in california than it is in montreal and i don't know i feel like <clears throat> the way i look and shit is more appealing for chicks in montreal than it is for american girls i think yeah maybe if you cut your goddamn hair and your beard you'd look your age <laughs> the people probably don't realize you're 23 these days you look like you're 33 <laughs> i'm done for that though what is that look i don't even know the shep dogs oh. what do you mean my, my look yeah i don't know i'm just you realize you skate tech these days <laughs> I don't know, I guess my look. No one wants to see that beard and long hair doing a switchy old Manny front shove. <laughs> Dude, that's funny because when Jamie was watching my footage, he said he said something. I think it was that trick. He was like, you're probably the only like long hair beard man doing tech tricks. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's more um, my personality as a person than as a skater. I like the natural look. The vegan. Dynasty. Yeah. Vegan, sober, NHL playoffs look. <laughs> Fuck, I wish I could rock a fucking fade like you, dude. Hey, I'd like to see you try. <laughs> Sick of this beard, man. <laughs> So it's hard enough being an AM in modern day skateboarding as is, but is there any added pressure riding for the chief, Jamie Thomas? Not really. I feel like I don't have that many responsibilities in life as a skateboarder. So I try to always remind myself that my life is extremely easy. So just the fact that I need to get really good tricks shouldn't be um, something that bums me out. I mean, I'm I'm super hyped to be skating for zero. It's definitely a dream coming true. So I try to be really thankful for that opportunity. But um, yeah, the ch the chief is fucking gnarly and has always been. So 
obviously his team riders are gonna try their best i guess have you stepped up your nar factor or what i see you getting tech these days but you know the chief's an og one of them fat lip slides was good <laughs> yeah i mean i guess i have i've had this ankle fucking injury for a while that's like always coming back so i kind of like started skating like mellower stuff but um it's getting better so i should be jumping down fucking big shit soon i guess <laughs> you sound excited yeah <laughs> the chief's like what the fuck's a fucking switch heel back lip down a five stair give me a nose grind down 25 you get me dude i, I wish i could switch heel back lip does the chief appreciate your switch tray lips or what uh yeah he was psyched on the one that i filmed already so but i know he he probably likes a fucking massive 5 on around rail a lot better than a switch big heel board <laughs> Yo, they already know what it is. Everyone's favorite segment. Yo, it's Rapid Fire with the Ghost. <laughs> this segment is losing steam week by week. <laughs> All right, JS, who's your favorite skater? Nick Trapasso back in and nowadays. Favorite video? The DC video. <laughs> what? <laughs> favorite video part? Nick Trapasso and now. Favorite trick? No Comply 180. Hardest trick for you? Front crook. Craziest trick you've ever witnessed? John Dixon switch flip in New York, that six or seven block. Favorite music artist? David Bowie, rest in peace. Favorite local brand? Dime. Worst style? Nate Sherwood. Favorite clip you've filmed? Front blunt flip out I did in uh, one of my dime store parts. I went back there like three times and it was hard for me to like go slow enough to like flip and actually do it. So congrats. But have you ever heard of rapid fire, a.k.a. quick answers? <laughs> Most illegal trick. Switch your lip to rig. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell the people a little history on that one? Um, I started doing switch your lips to rigs because I don't know. I thought they were cool because... I don't know, Blake Carpenter does them, and I really like him. But um, I guess you made me realize how fucking wacky it kind of looks. So I'll, I'll, do them, I'll do them to regular in contests, and then if I actually try to film one, I'll try to go back to Switch. That's my dog, yo, mon petit frère, little bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's going to wrap up our interview with JS. Thank you so much for getting on the phone and doing this with us. Hope to have you back again soon. Dude, thank you so much for having me on this episode. I mean, I've been a fan ever since you guys started, so I feel like this is an amazing opportunity for me. I'm very stoked that 10 people are going to listen to this shit. Hell yeah, bless up, brother. Hyped to have my desk, bro. You get me. Fuck yeah, Seifa. Sober desk for life. Keep killing them, JS. Thank you. And good luck in South Africa. Merci.
All right, so last week we introduced a new segment, News and Notes, and I got news for you guys. We dusting that one because we are just straight over that segment. Blood, we ain't dusting it. We're just changing the name. Don't worry. You know, we still got your summer news. It's called The Rundown. It's got a nice ring to it, actually. <laughs> All right, so first thing on The Rundown, me and Safe are going to play a little musical chairs, NBA free agency style. I'm going to list off some players, and our NBA expert right here is going to tell me where he thinks they're going to go. All right, so first one's first. I don't even know if there's any point to this. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, unless he goes to the Spurs or Warriors, he ain't going nowhere. I'm sure it's super tempting, but I still think he's going to re-sign for one max mega deal next year when the cap goes up even further. That's probably his best uh, best option financially. And at this point, it's just it's pointless to guess. No one knows except for Kevin Durant. And who knows? He probably doesn't even know at this point. So can you just imagine KD signs to the Warriors and you subtract dusty old Harrison Barnes and throw KD into the death lineup? What would that do to the NBA? Well, hopefully they'd get a couple championships in a row uh, at LeBron's <laughs> expense. You know what I mean? Dust man for a zip in the finals a couple years in a row. I'd love that. But no, realistically, there wouldn't be enough shots to go around. I don't know how you have KD, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant on the same starting lineup. And you got Andre Iguodala and Draymond Green. Like, that's the deadliest five I've ever heard of. There would not be enough shots to go around. Yeah, just because you make a super team doesn't mean it's going to work. The Lakers found out the hard way when they got Carl Malone and Gary Payton to go with Shaq and Kobe. Flexing some old school knowledge, eh? Lakers, baby. All right, so the next one we're going to hit a little bit closer to home. And I know you got a, an insider on the Toronto Raptors organization. Where's DeMar DeRozan going to land? Hey, man, this ain't even insider information anymore. Just flip on your bleacher report. The man's in serious talks with the Raps. He has no plans on taking meetings with any other teams unless talks deteriorate. So at this point, looks like we got DeMar sticking around with his busted ass long twos. Can't hit a damn three. God damn it. All right, all right. So I think next week we're going to get into the NBA draft a little bit. And I know that uh, it seems like the Raptors have drafted a replacement for Bismack Biombo. So where do you see him ending up? Biz could land in a bunch of places, and I'm sure he's going to land somewhere with a super superstar backcourt, the kind of team where they've got a couple stars and they want a center that doesn't necessarily need the ball. So something like a Houston, something like an OKC, a team like a Portland Trailblazers. I feel like there's going to be a lot of dem- demand for Bismack Biombo. He doesn't need the ball. He gets boards like crazy. He's great on defense. It's probably going to be a nice market, but... Like my insider told me, there's also a good chance he resigns because he's had a great time in Toronto, and I think he wants to stay here, but money talks, so who knows. All right, heading south a little bit. Hassan Whiteside, been linked to the Los Angeles Lakers. What do you think? I would welcome Hassan Whiteside to the Lakers with open arms. Uh, I'm really hoping the Lakers turn it around quick because I'm sick of these dog days. Uh, I also love the Heat, though, so, well, the Heat without LeBron James. So if he if he stays on the Heat or goes to the Lakers, I'm happy either way. Bless up, Hassan. This is a pretty big free agent that uh, a lot of people are uh, forgetting about a little bit. All-star last year, Al Horford. What are the chances he re-signs, or do you think he's on his way out as well? I think Horford's getting kind of to the tail end of his prime and uh, he hasn't really he hasn't played in the finals. He made the conference finals for the first time last year. 
I think at this point, it's going to be hard for the Hawks to re-sign him because they don't have their future isn't that bright right now. They just traded their star all-star point guard Jeff Teague. So I see Horford being able to pick and choose basically in the entire NBA because everyone's going to be after him. And I see him landing somewhere with immediate championship hopes. Don't be surprised if you see him on a team like the Houston Rockets, the Golden State Warriors, Boston Celtics, teams that are trying to make that push. I would love to see him in Boston. Up next, one of your favorite players. Rumored to be offered a $120 million contract from a couple different teams, most notably the Knicks, Joakim Noah. Just to be clear, that's $120 million over four years, which would, I'm pretty sure, be the biggest contract ever signed in NBA history. So when you think biggest contract ever, you definitely don't think Joakim Noah. And that's not to take anything away from him. I'm actually a huge fan of his. But if he signs this contract in the coming days, he's going to be the first to really cash in on this uh cap going up and i think it's hilarious and makes no sense this past season he played 29 games after going out with uh surgery on his shoulder last year he played 67 games with averages of seven points and nine and a half rebounds i have no idea why people are tripping over him right now maybe he's been working out for teams and he's looking good but at this point i think he's he's past his prime he hasn't had like a a big time year since 2013-14 i'm actually baffled by this contract being offered to him i have no idea what these teams are thinking if i was a gm i would give him a one-year deal no more than 10 million like this is just nuts 30 million a year for joakim someone's smoking cracking on those knicks <laughs> phil jackson what the hell are you saying dog? phil jackson's trying to get fired so he just gets paid and doesn't have to do anything anymore? Yo, that's a he did. He just picked up Derrick Rose, so yeah. actually now it's making sense. Joe Keem, Derrick Rose reunited in New York, so <clears throat> Phil can leave the Knicks in the worst shape ever. On to a polarizing figure in the NBA, someone who definitely doesn't have the motor of a guy like Bismack Biombo, Dwight Howard. Yeah, he used to have the motor, but a lot of back injuries and whatnot. The dude's uh, he's not a shell of his former self, but he definitely isn't the same. But I've heard him talking big about his offseason work, and I guess that's what you say when you're going into a new contract. He's stoking his own fire. Stoking <laughs> his own fire. So um, with the addition of Sergi Baca to uh, Orlando, a lot of people thought he was going to go to Orlando. Crossed that one off the list. He's running out of options, it seems like. He might have to sign with the dusty old Milwaukee Bucks at this point. <gasps> There's a sucker born every day, and someone's going to pay Dwight max money for uh, someone who hasn't been in good physical shape since uh, he left Orlando, to be honest. All right, I'm all out of players. And honestly, there's only one more thing I have to say before we wrap up the NBA convo. Long live the king! We ain't ending no segment like that in my presence. Lakers, 2016-17. Woo! LeBron James. Okay, so moving on from the NBA, the big news in the NHL world this week was Las Vegas was just awarded an expansion team. For those of us who don't know, how do they draft their first team? 
How's this going down? So what's going to happen is a couple days after the NHL Stanley Cup is awarded next year, there's going to be an NHL expansion draft, and every team is going to be able to protect seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goalie. Now you're going to have to protect everyone who has a no trade or no movement clause, and first and second year pros are going to be exempt from the list, so you're not worried about losing your top rookies. So the Las Vegas team is going to get one player from each of the 30 existing NHL teams, and that's how they're going to get to build their base roster. Each NHL team has to submit a list three days prior to the expansion draft, and you can already see the NHL teams are preparing for this right now. In the last two weeks, we've seen two, uh, I'd say, A-quality backup goalies been traded for a little bit lower than market value, and you can see that, that NHL teams are preparing to make this list. It's gonna be a little bit harder than people believe because even now if I'm looking at the Maple Leafs and I have to protect seven forwards, that's hard. And that's on a team that is not doing very well at all. I can't even imagine the stress that some general managers are going through thinking about who they're gonna to have to protect. So with the new team coming in the league, doesn't that throw off the balance of the conferences? Well, funny you ask because a couple years ago they just realigned the whole NHL and the way they ended it up was 16 teams in the Eastern Conference to only 14 teams in the West. So right now it's already misbalanced which some people who aren't fans of the NHL would say, "What? how does that even happen to begin with? But it just caused for longer travel for different teams and they just didn't find it to be very fair. So the Las Vegas team is gonna start in the Western Conference. They're gonna be in the Pacific Division and you know, that's probably one of the tougher divisions in the NHL having to deal with the three heavy hitting California teams. So with this new Vegas team able to take one player from each team, is there a good chance that they can build a super team right off the bat or is it gonna be a slow process? You know, that's a tough question because there definitely is an ability to, if they have the right scouts, they're definitely gonna be able to get some good talent from every team, but they're still gonna to have to follow the strict salary cap rules of the NHL and a lot of teams a lot of the thinking that's going to go into protecting players is you're going to keep the guys who are, are on bargain deals, not on the long-term deals. So a lot of teams are probably hoping that if they have one or two stars, but they're well overpaid, you know, it's hard to get out of contracts in pro sports. And this is one way that they can maybe do it. Another interesting thing is that right after the expansion draft, they're going to get to go into the regular entry draft too. So where do they decide where they pick? It's pretty crazy that they're gonna pick no lower than sixth in the first round. So they're pretty much guaranteed a pretty good prospect. And then after that, every round, they're gonna have the third selection. So they're in pretty good shape. I mean, you pay 500 million to get an NHL team. I'd want these type of uh, odds of having a pretty good team from the start. And I can see some GMs and owners complaining when the Las Vegas team starts fucking making the playoffs every year right off the bat. You'd think so, but I mean, I, I can't imagine these rules being very much different than expansion drafts in the past. And you just look at teams from, from that era, like I said, Tampa Bay and Florida. I mean, Tampa Bay was lucky enough to win a Stanley Cup in their, in their time, but teams like Florida have been struggling for years. So I don't know, it's gonna be definitely interesting. I am very excited to see how this turns out. And I don't wanna wait a whole nother year with the long, boring summer coming up. I wish it was expansion draft tomorrow. So if you're an NHL player, you're on a shitty team in a city in the States that doesn't really care about hockey, are you hyped as fuck to go play in Las Vegas or are you scared of what your life might turn into? If you're asking me, I have no idea what an NHL player's life is like, but uh, I mean, it must be pretty, like if I was on an opposing team, I wouldn't mind going to Vegas twice a year. 
I mean, the running joke right now in the NHL is that the Las Vegas team will probably win every game on home ice because whoever's visiting there is going to be some late nights in Vegas, right? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, players who like to party living in Vegas, playing on the Vegas team, like, they might just get swept into the fucking mess that is Las Vegas. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it works out. I mean, the two teams that were vying for the expansion were Quebec, which I think all of us would have preferred to see a team go back to Quebec and Las Vegas. But it was a little bit of a race between the NFL and the NHL to get the first team in Vegas. I just see long term that Quebec would have been a much more uh, viable option. Yeah, these these dark nights are going to run out of steam oh, real quick. Nights. The black nights. Oh, my bad. Yo, too bad we can't see a Quebec Poutines team come out of nowhere, you know? My dad would have been hyped. <laughs> All I know is opposing players better be careful upsetting the odds in Vegas, or they might end up getting whacked six feet deep in the desert, you feel me? No comment. <laughs> y'all it's class time fantasy football 101 this week we got running backs d jones what you got for me where are my Steelers at yo ants you got that music ready for me the running back position is the scariest of them all ravaged by injury last year saw a once overlooked Devonte freeman finish as the top running back in fantasy here we go at number 10 lamar miller down in houston he's at a new home the young core group of players and he shouldn't have to deal with any bullshit like he did in miami Number nine, Doug Martin, workhorse running back, but the lack of touchdowns is what keeps him so low on the list. Number eight, Ezekiel Elliott, rookie running back, coming straight out of college, thrown into one of the best offenses in the league. The only thing I can worry about is Tony Romo getting hurt again, and then the offense isn't a fluster. Number seven, Thomas Rawls of the Seattle Seahawks, missed the last two games of the year last year to injury. It was a little bit gruesome, but he's guaranteed to be back for week one, and he was a huge part of the Seahawks' success when he was healthy. Number six, Devontae Freeman. Finished as the number one running back in fantasy last year, so you can't go wrong if you get him in the second or third round. Number five, Jamal Charles of the Kansas City Chiefs. Getting a little bit disrespected by most of the analysts, ranking him down there at the eight or nine spot. I think he's going to be the steal of the draft. And honestly, if he didn't get hurt last year, I definitely would have won my fantasy football league. Number four, David Johnson. As I said before, Arizona scripts plays, so you know that he's going to get his chances. He stole the job last year and ran away with it before getting hurt. Number three, Todd Gurley of the Los Angeles Rams. The move from St. Louis to LA could be a little bit of a potential distraction for the sophomore running back. Some say he's the next Adrian Peterson, but I don't think he's there just yet. Number two, Le'Veon Bell. Here's your Pittsburgh Steelers. This man is explosive. Should probably be number one, but I have a little bit of an uncomfy feel in choosing him over Adrian Peterson due to his injury past. Like I said, number one, Adrian Peterson. Played all 16 games last year, 1,485 yards. Not his best, but he's a workhorse RB. He played all 16 games this year, and in the running back position, that's saying a lot. Damn, so I got another Pittsburgh Steeler in the top 10, Le'Veon Bell. Well, top 10 according to you. I guess I'm going to be killing it, yo. He's actually number one on most lists, so me ranking him at two is a little bit of a, a little bit of a diss to him, but 
You can't hide injuries in the running back position, and I swear this is the one year you guys are going to want to wait to pass up on the running backs and try and get them a little bit later. But we'll get into that one day when we talk draft strategy. Next week, we're going to wrap up with the positions. We're going to hit you guys with the kickers and the defense. And then before you know it, we're going to be signing up guys out here listening. We're going to get our own fantasy league going here on the bunt. So save it can experiment with some uh, some other people at his skill level because, you know, I'd probably just scrape the floor with them. So he needs some help. All right, we're, thanks, teacher. You're supposed to be helping me, not bullying me. Anyways, class is out. Let's go. Recess, baby. <laughs>